Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Our next guest, Ashley DiLello, is the founder and creator of Bioemotional Healing, which is a revolutionary method based in neuroscience that helps her clients around the world finally break free from emotional trauma, limiting beliefs, anxiety, and chronic pain to thrive in their lives. Despite being told by doctors that she wouldn't live past her teenage years, she refused to give up and discovered the secret to rewriting the mind-body connection. She became an elite athlete. TV and Broadway star, entrepreneur, mind coach, and keynote speaker. I'm so excited to share this conversation with Ashley with you because we dive into pain science, persistent and chronic pain syndromes, and how she overcame that in her own life and now helps countless others do the same. Before we go into the podcast, tell me, how are your feet feeling? Have you thought about your feet lately? Are they super sore? Are they stiff? What shoes have you been wearing? Especially during the summer, if we're wearing a lot of flip-flops or we're just sticking our feet in shoes that are super restricted, we could be impeding our foot health, which could lead to plantar fasciitis, bunions, foot pain, and a lot of other things down the road. How we treat our feet is so crucial and it matters what we put our foot in. Even the flip-flops, they make your foot work a lot so that you have to crunch your toes to keep your foot in the flip-flop. So get yourself in some Vivo Barefoot shoes. It is a wide toe box area. They're super flexible and there's zero heel drop so it's not shifting your body weight anywhere. You get to use your full mobility and gain the strength that your foot needs to function properly. This is why we love Vivo Barefoot and we've been talking about them for years now. We have felt the benefits within our own feet and I know you'll feel it in yours. So go use code T-O-B at checkout. You'll get 15% off some Vivo Barefoot shoes. Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I think your story, like I said, when you first came on is just, it's so fascinating. And, you know, unfortunately, the chronic pain experience is something that so many people go through. And so understanding and hearing your own journey and where you are now <laughs> and where you've come from and how you're helping other people is is really fascinating. So thank you so much for being here. And I just want to dive right in because I know your journey started when you were young, 13 years old. So can you yeah. can can you tell us a little bit of what what happened then? Sure. Yeah. I've had two life-altering health experiences. And and like you just said, it it started at 13. Um, I was the epitome of health. I, I loved to dance. I was dancing five hours a day. My nickname was the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> and then literally overnight, I went from being healthy and strong and a 13-year-old girl to fighting for my life. Mm. No warning. It was it was the biggest shock of what has just happened to my body and my life. And it was a long journey, uh, a long journey of, of fighting between life and death for four and a half years. And the hardest part about it was that nobody could really tell me what was wrong or that what we could do to fix it. My family went all over the country. I was tested for about everything that existed at that time. 
um, I was poked and prodded. In fact, I remember going into different tests, hoping that we'd get a positive result just so that I knew what we were facing so we could come up with some action plan. So the best that doctors could tell me is that I was fighting a rare viral infection that was shutting my body down. I got to down to like 90 pounds, lost a lot of my hair. My skin was yellow from my liver shutting down. I got so weak that I had days I couldn't even speak. And that's a really scary place when you realize the amount of energy it takes to utter a word. And essentially, I was sent home to die. I had some of the top specials in the country just tell me that they couldn't figure it out and they didn't know how to treat it. And I needed to accept that I wasn't going to live past my teenage years and that I'd never dance again. I'd never live a normal active life. And I was told that the sooner I accepted this, the easier it would be to come to peace with my reality. And I, I don't know if I can even explain all the emotions I felt in that moment of devastation, awe, shock of how has this suddenly become my life. And I remember looking down and feeling like that very short moment in time was an eternity. And it became the most defining moment of my life that would help me later in life in my second life altering experience. And I remember looking up at that doctor and deciding right then and there that I didn't just accept that this was it, that this was it for my body and and my life. And that what I was facing, we couldn't do anything about. And I just looked at him and said, I don't accept this. And that became the beginning of a very long journey of trying to support my body in every which way possible to help it to to fight and overcome this virus and rebuild my strength. And it was a long journey, like I said, four and a half years. But thankfully, wow. obviously, I'm here and I was able to <clears throat> defy the odds and get my health back and after six years, be physically strong enough to go back to dance. Wow. Quick pause in the conversation with Ashley to talk about something that is so important to health, which is our hydration. Not just hydration by drinking water, but also getting back in those electrolytes that we lose throughout the day without knowing it, especially on hot summer days. I know we're getting to the end of summer now, but it's so important to replenish those electrolytes. And that's why Jen and I have consistently been using Element. That's L-M-N-T. It is one of our absolute favorite electrolyte drinks to replenish that sodium, magnesium, and potassium that our body needs for basic, basic functions. It helps literally hydrate you on the cellular level, and it can help with muscle contractions, avoiding muscle cramps, and even help with things like brain fog or confusion or getting good sleep in. There are so many things that these three electrolytes can help in our body. If you haven't tried Element, it's so delicious. How good it tastes alone keeps me coming back to the bottle and drinking water all day long. So if you want to try it out, go down to the link in our show notes. It's drinkelement, that's L-M-N-T dot com backslash optimal. With every single purchase, you get a free sample pack. So that also allows you to try the different flavors to know which one you like best so that you can order that next time. Go to the link in the show notes and try it out. Wow. I mean, to... To call that a life-altering experience, I think, is even an understatement. As somebody in your teens or early teen years dancing, like you said, peak epitome of health, and to just have something like that rock you to the point where you have doctors saying you're not going to live through your teenage years, that is... Yeah, 
just awe-inspiring to even hear that story. And so clearly you're still here. You just had built your health back after six years. What were some of the things that you really feel like you went to to start, like you said, support your health in all different aspects and start to build back from that? Yeah. And what's interesting to note is that that was 27 years ago. So the knowledge and information and treatments that we have access to today did not exist then, right? What we're doing right now, podcasts didn't exist, (laughs) YouTube, social media, you know, all of the the access that we have to information and different treatments and modalities. it, It was a very different world. So we had to dive into like the yellow pages, right? And and mm-hmm. and word of mouth. And um, I grew up all in a Western medicine family. And so anything like functional or alternative, there was this idea, it was, you know, some lady burning incense with dreadlocks, you know, down yeah. in the basement yeah. or or so forth. So it was it was a much different ballgame back then. But after literally doing anything that existed in Western medicine for two and a half years what we did is to seek how to support my body, my immune system, so it could recover. So I started on supplements and homeopathic medicine and really altered how I ate. Um, mm. Food literally became life and death to me. Like this food either helps my immune system or it takes from my immune system. And mm. so everything I put in my mouth was from that intention of helping my body um, support itself. And so quick question, sorry to interrupt you. During the two and a half years in the Western approach and talking to all the doctors, did anybody ever talk about nutrition and food and different ways to support yourself that way? No, no. (laughs) And and, you know what's interesting, again, going back 27 years, even then I had this just epiphany moment. I was at um, one of the top children hospitals in the country and I was staying there overnight um, because I was so sick, we were doing tests. And I remember they they brought me down in the morning for breakfast. And all of my options were sugar cereals, mm. right? <laughs> and I remember even then going, this doesn't seem like what I should be eating. You know, um, yeah. I'm I'm sick and it feels like my immune system probably should have something other than sugar cereal for breakfast. And, and that's when I said it was, you know, like I mentioned, it was just a whole different ballgame of no one talked to me about food, right? It was, yeah. it was, well, we don't know what it is other than some rare viral infection. And so we can't treat it. And so this is it. You know, nobody talked to me about, well, let's give your immune system support so it can, you know, do what it was also designed to do, which is to fight, you know, infections. I mean, it's so insane to even think of being a young girl and saying, something else needs to change and this isn't working. Like to to tell yourself and those around you that I need to support my body in a different way. The sugar cereal is probably not going to be the thing. I can't imagine myself going back and thinking, you know, <laughs> that I'm going to turn to alternative ways or or foods. Like you just think medicine. Medicine is supposed to help. This is what's supposed to fix me. And so mm-hmm. I, I just like, you know, am awe-inspired that you would even think to to think out of the box and what else could you do. And though it was a long journey, you got to the point where you're a professional dancer and, <laughs> you know, you 
or show up on all these shows and do incredible things. And then something else happened in 2016. What happened? Yeah. And before I dive into that, I want to say the other crucial aspect that happened that was planting the seeds to my work in the brain um, in life now. And that was the power of my mind. Um, Mm. And that again, wasn't something someone was, some people were talking to me about, but I remember when they told me I needed to accept that I was dying, (laughs) I had this feeling inside that if I accepted that, then any chance of survival would be off the table. Mm. And this, through this journey is when I really started to understand the intricate mind body connection, because there were nights I was too afraid to go to sleep. I was, I was too afraid that if I literally surrendered that conscious will to live, that my body just would give up. And so I'd will myself to stay awake and I would literally converse with my body through the night to keep fighting. And the the mind-body connection, as we know, even with neuroscience and imaging now cannot be denied. But I know that it was a huge, crucial aspect to why my body kept going when I would have compassionately understood that it was like, I'm done. Like this is, this is too much. So I'm grateful for those seeds that were planted because yes, I was on the top of the mountain. Again, the epitome of health, my strongest physical self. Um, I'd also become a personal trainer and just been in such awe at a body that couldn't lift a finger that now could lift heavy weights and dance, you know, eight shows a week on Broadway. And it was just like, oh my gosh, we're here at the pinnacle. And then everything changed again. And I had a second hip surgery that I expected to go just like my first one on the other hip, but this one completely failed. And it launched my entire body into chronic pain. And so not only was I now struggling to walk, but my whole body was riddled with chronic nerve pain. And it was so deja vu because, again, nobody had a clear answer for me. But this time I was also a mother. I had a two-year-old daughter that now I couldn't even hold. I couldn't pick up. I couldn't get on the floor and play with. My husband, who is my professional partner, we lost our professional career at the very height of it. I also lost my career as a personal trainer in the fact that I you know, could barely walk and I couldn't demonstrate. I couldn't work out. And I'm going to doctor specialists. And of course, now I'm like, okay, I've been through something before. I'm going to do everything and anything Western, regenerative, holistic that you can think of. I mean, over 200 injections, stem cell, PRP, whatever you can think of. I tried and the best anybody could give me because none of this was working, not not even any of the alternative. And I was eating an anti-inflammatory diet. I mean, anything you can think of. And they're telling me, well, sometimes in surgeries, the nervous system can flip a switch into pain. So this is what happened to you. You're a chronic pain patient now. And I was diagnosed with a whole bunch of different pain syndromes that, you know, they're life sentences. And I'm told the best that I can do is manage them. And truthfully, after, again, several years of all these efforts, I probably had the most desperate night of my life. I mean, as hard as it was to fight for my life, living in chronic pain is is hell. Mm. It's it's hell. It's Mm -hmm. with you every moment of every day. It can rob you of not only your career, but the ability to be present. You're a prisoner in your own body and its capacity to to live. And 
my family was at a place of where we were nearly losing our home because we were spending so much money on all these different alternative treatments. And I just got to this night where I looked at my husband and I said, I don't, there's nothing left to try. Like there's nothing left to try. And that's really when, again, my, my greatest desperation met my greatest determination and, and barring from those roots of what I'd gone through when I was younger, I thought, well, if my nervous system can flip a switch into pain, I'm going to figure out how to flip it back. Because what can go one way can go back the other way, right? So that's what dove me deep into the brain, into pain science, understanding that although, you know, pain is felt in the body, the brain is the creator of all of it. And that pain is a protective mechanism. And we can dive into this, that the brain takes all these different components into. And so that's what led me on a path of how do I create a process to rewire my pain? And in that really rewire stress out of the nervous system. And that's what led to the creation of bioemotional healing and my work and saved my life. And now I get the privilege of helping other people heal. Mm, That's, that's amazing. And in 2016, so, because I remember I was going through my graduate schooling in 2016 and, and pain science was starting to creep more into the realm, at least. And mm-hmm. I maybe even considered more of a fringe physical therapist, especially now I'm more of a fringe physical therapist in the <laughs> yes. way I think and the way I approach things. I love um, the fringe, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we for sure live on the fringe. Um, so, maybe I was just seeking it out. But was there... Once you started digging more into this, um, processing how brain is per- um, pain is perceived in the brain, um, what type of information was out there? And did you start finding pockets of communities that were really digging into this? Yeah, you're right. It, it is more understood now and more talked about now. But back then, um, it still wasn't really spoken about. And what's shocking is with all the different pain specialists that I saw, both in physical therapists and pain doctors and all those modalities, no one mentioned the brain to me. Mm. Like nobody mentioned the brain. And so when I just started to dive into the nervous system, obviously by nature, I'm I'm starting to study the brain. And and one of the most pivotal people for me was Laura Laura Mer Mosley from Australia. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? What is it? Like everything he was saying about the, the, you know, pain being protection, although, you know, perceived as punishment and, and how it's a perception of what needs to be protected, both physically and emotionally and everything he's saying, I'm going, how come no one even brought this up to me? And so I dove into all of his research and, and of course that led me to other people and other studies. And and that's at least the blessing of this age of information is that I could access it, you know, and, and then I'm starting to study it and connect it with my own experiences and, and what I was, what was happening in my own body and how it started one place and then spread. And then I'm realizing they just tell patients like, well, this is what happens with chronic pain. It spreads. And I'm like, no, this happens because those pain receptors in the brain are getting longer are larger and stronger and they're becoming more hypervigilant and they're losing their capacity to be specific. So they start sending pain signals to other places of the body. And so I'm not just broken. 
pain isn't just going to be my life. I've got to work with my brain to mm. change this hypervigilance, to to heal it um, so that it's it's not going haywire. And I've got to not only work with my pain receptors now, but oh my goodness, my experience that I went through when I was younger, I'm now realizing altered my brain and nervous system and realized that literally I'd been subconsciously operating in a fight or flight response for over two decades Mm -hmm. and warranted, right? You don't fight for your life for four years and your nervous system is like, we're good now. It's like, I'm going to keep this hypervigilance around your body just in case. And, and in truthfully, it makes me realize it was probably a huge contributor to why I had so many injuries throughout my professional career. It didn't matter how much I warmed up or cooled down or did ice baths back then before nobody was talking about it. <laughs> I kept getting injured and I realized my nervous system was just operating in that hypervigilance around my body. And so I had to also go back and, and heal that and get my system out of stress in order to have any possibility of getting out of pain. And and it was just, in truthfulness, I was pretty ticked off at first because I, yeah. I realized, okay, it's not just the right treatment. It's it's not just the like the right medicine or nutrition. Like I literally have to change my brain and nervous system. And it's and not just now, but what I went through when I was younger. And so I did not just go through it, it altered. But as upset as that made me, I felt so empowered Mm. because it Mm -hmm. meant I could do something about it. And it meant that pain was neuroplastic when it comes to chronic pain. We're not talking about acute pain where you have an injury that then heals. But this chronic perpetual pain is learned Mm -hmm. by the brain. And so if it can learn it, well, then it can unlearn it. Mm -hmm. And that's the greatest anchor to my hope to keep studying and, and figure this out. I just, I had all these tools, but I, I couldn't really find a process then. Like, how do you do this step by step, not just with the pain, but the other components in your life that have impacted and altered your brain and nervous system, right? Maybe all the potential emotional and mental stresses that have also major system more hypervigilant because the brain can create pain either way. Oh, yes. Actually, I just love everything you're saying. This is what Tom and I talk about all the time. Yeah. It's it's the non-sexy thing, though, that's, you know, trying to help people as a physical therapist. They're just like, no, no, but what movements do I do? (laughs) Like, Yes, but but there's more. (laughs) And and that's what I think is hard. Like, how do you because a lot of people when you approach it this way, they take it as a defense. You're telling me it's all in my head. I'm telling you it's not. It's something that I'm feeling in my body. So don't you dare tell me it's in my head. So how do you how do you approach it from someone? I mean, you you took the amazing step of saying you're empowered to now understand yeah. how to do it where other people feel disempowered by saying but it's in my body. So how mm-hmm. how are you telling me it's in my head? Like, how do we get around that? Mm-hmm. Well, just first the distinction. It's not in your mind, but it is in your brain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and that difference, right? Because we we are controlling our mind. That's the brain in action. the 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 brain, which is the self only self regulating organ, that means it's it's not you, but it is a part of you. 
right? And so I, I want to make clear of that because I do know anyone who's had ongoing pain because it's more often than not invisible, right? People yeah. don't, can't understand it because you look, quote, normal, right? Unless you're limping, unless you've got a clear cast or crutches or something. People in pain, often you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So there is a stigma and a defensiveness of I'm suffering, I'm hurting, you can't see it, maybe the MRI doesn't show anything. And so there is a natural defensiveness of like I'm suffering. And that's where I just make that clear distinction. Like let's just give you a few understandings of the the brain is the creator of all pain. We're not saying it's not felt in the body. It absolutely is. But Pain doesn't exist unless the brain says it does. Mm-hmm. So if we want to heal pain, we have to look at the brain since it's the creator of it. And, and just that distinction and understanding, I think, you know, helps to remove some of those defensives that I know are built up when people have tried so many things and just told, well, I don't know what to do, so it must be in your mind. Mm-hmm. I love the way that you explained everything kind of in talking through your journey. And like Jen mentioned, you you speak of like this empowerment once you found out, oh, this is something, this is, this is how it has to do with how my brain is perceiving and my brain is on guard. And, and it reminds me of a lot of the patients that I saw in the clinic who come in with their story. And I call mm. it a story because normally I would sit there for my first 50 or hour, you know, 50 minute or hour session with them and just let them tell their story. (laughs) And I often got, you know, reprimanded by whether it was a clinical instructor or the lead therapist on our floor for letting the person talk too much. And I'm just like, how, how can I treat this person well? How can I meet them where they're at or understand what I need to do for them if I don't let them tell me their story? And Mm -hmm. those stories are usually riddled with kind of like you said in your in your journey your early journey taking the western route the injections the um all the interventions extra surgeries rhizotomies different things that are meant to yeah. decrease the pain but essentially are bombarding that nervous system further with information mm-hmm. that it just doesn't really know how to process so it gets more on guard <laughs> and yeah i don't know i think the, the three of us on this call probably all have our chronic pain soapboxes down because it's one of the most frustrating things when I see that person coming in so dependent, looking for the fix when in reality that power has always laid with them and they've just never had somebody who has helped guide them down that path. So I'm just wondering, after my little rant there, I'm just wondering a little bit more this bio-emotional healing that that you have founded. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about what that entails and, and different components that help people take that power back? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just I think we could talk for hours because I I would love to to dig into both of your brains and experiences. And what you just said is kind of really the foundation of my work, which is you're treating the person. Mm-hmm. And understanding that their body is a manifestation of all their life experiences, right? That the brain is taking into account in creating symptoms, in creating protection, because that's all that symptoms are, is a, a danger signal to the brain of, of some threat. And what we know from the brain is that 
the same areas of the brain are activated by both physical and emotional threats. So some people could have had a deep emotional trauma in their life that is now being manifested in physical pain. Right. In fact, we we know with fibromyalgia, which is much more prevalent amongst females, that a lot of them have uh, a history of some type of abuse, mm-hmm. some types of victimization, emotional or physical, because sometimes that alteration in the nervous system doesn't manifest in physical symptoms right then, but the stress in which it creates and runs in the system leads to break down that manifest later in life, which makes sense because otherwise, why is it so much more prevalent amongst females? If not, that it has a deeper root, that's not even physical, right? Mm. So bioemotional healing was understanding that the brain takes all of the information from our life, all the things that maybe altered us, changed us, impacted us, even injuries, our, you know, our biodiversity, even the things that are important to us, the brain becomes more protective of. So they've even done a study on violinists where their left fingers, like their left hand fingers were way more sensitive to stimulus than the right. And why is that? Because the brain has learned through their experience as a violinist that the left fingers are more important to play the violin. Mm -hmm. So now it becomes more protective. So even just looking at people and what they've done in their life, your brain has created a more protective barrier around whatever part of your body is involved in being able to do that. So in understanding that, it's not just what is presently happening, but what has happened throughout your whole life that your brain has a databank of. And we've got to understand you as a person to start to work through and root out not just the physical, but also the psychological things that have helped to produce and perpetuate the symptoms, which really what I found the root cause of most chronic pain. And I would say even a lot of our um, mental challenges and emotional challenges is an overly sensitive nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's just a nervous system that has flipped that switch into hypervigilance and hyperprotection. And it's usually not just one thing. It's a compounding effect of the things in our life that have altered us, have impacted us. And the brain's constantly looking at that now on how to protect you. And pain is one of the best ways the brain signals to us. I mean, we all know pain gets our attention really fast, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how do you get your attention? Well, I'm going to create some pain. And so it's diving into the person, which is what you absolutely were trying to do. And I I applaud you so much. That's unfortunately so rare in what I've experienced throughout all of my life and seeing practitioners and physical therapists is that We've got to treat the person. Mm -hmm. We've got to understand what they've gone through that might have altered their brain and nervous system. And maybe they had an injury, but because their system was operating in that hypersensitivity, now that stress got stuck in that injury. And so I'm sure you guys have seen it where the tissues have healed, right? They have the strength, they have the stability, but the pain is still there. Mm -hmm. And that has just become a place for the nervous system to communicate to them that there's still things to be processed and worked through. And so that's really what bioemotional healing is, is looking at the whole person, looking at the past, 
looking at what has altered their nervous system into stress, working through those pieces, working with the brain and nervous system to get on board that it's okay to process this out. It's okay to not run that stress program 24-7. And then once we get that on board, now we can work with the system to rewire that pain, rewire that stress, and create you know the life, the health, the movement that we want. That's incredible. And I think one of the most empowering statements that you said, you know, is the fact that if if it's turned off, you can, or if it's turned on the other way, you can turn it, flip the switch the other way. And I think that's what's most powerful, knowing that, okay, if this is flipped this way, I have the ability to flip it the other way. I have the ability to unlearn something that my body has learned. And that is just, it's, it becomes more empowering knowing that there's hope because like you said, there's so many practitioners out there that really, one, I think in Western medicine, especially as I think as a physical therapist, there's just no time. And that's the unfortunate truth yeah. is that the system that we run through in America, at least, is made to turn patients over <laughs> very quickly, especially in a traditional outpatient clinic as a physical therapist you don't have, you just don't have the time because you're billing so many units for so many yeah. patients to even make the overhead for the clinic. Like it's, it, there's just not as, as much time to spend. So having other people and other resources like what you've created is so incredible for people to be able to have access to a new way of thinking. Now with this, I'm sure that you have a whole process that you take people through. How long and this is the infamous question, right? <laughs> How long will it take to get out of my chronic yeah, pain? When do I get out of pain? Just tell <laughs> me. Know. Tell me the number. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Because no one can tell you. Um, <laughs> so I, I always joke with my clients. I know you want to be out of pain yesterday. Um, so, and I, I wish I could give you like a definitive number because clearly I've walked that road myself, right? Mm -hmm. How long? right? How long is this going to take? What does it look like? And, and what I tell my clients, listen, we're here to partner with your system. So depending on mm. how long you've been there, what other factors have happened to you in your life? Um, first of all, I never put limits on how fast things can switch, but I also want you to embrace that this is going to be a journey, but you're going to heal and have progression, which is really what you are wanting. Because people who have been stuck in pain, it's the lack of any sense of progress. So what I want you to focus on is, is the journey and celebrating any improvement. Because if we don't do that, what happens is clients are like, oh my gosh, I still had pain today. But wow, I just realized I didn't have pain the last four days. Mm -hmm. you know. And so it, it can't go from pain every day to pain in non-existence, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I tell my clients, everyone's different. I just, I did a story on Instagram yesterday where I was celebrating because I have a client who's had chronic pain. Um, she's in her 60s for a long time and she's seven weeks into bioemotional healing. It's a nine-week program. And she just said, my pain has been reduced by 90% for the entire last week. Mm. That's amazing. And she just, the joy in her face and and again, her sense of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Right? That like I did this, I'm doing this. And then when her and I are finished with each other, she has that tools and knowledge within herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
which now she feels empowered to step forward in her life because the other component with chronic pain is always the fear that it will come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and that's a huge part of not only processing that fear, but rewiring the brain's protection around the body. And I know you guys have so much experience with this. And that's also language, right? In which we're communicated, like, don't do this, don't do that. And then we build up this lack of trust with our body in certain aspects of our body. And that that lack of trust puts the brain's alarms around that part of the body. And so it will create a pain response just so we don't do a particular movement, right? Or it yeah. will lock in place because we have such a fear around that. And so notwithstanding the deeper work, that's also such a crucial component is, is working through that fear and that protection and learning to trust our body again mm-hmm. to support us mm-hmm. and to heal and to know that no matter what we've gone through, man, the body in, is so resilient and so amazing in which it can recover. And that part is so huge in long-term moving through that fear of no longer not trusting your body and waiting for it to come back to believing that you've changed it, you've healed it, it's strong. And with healing the pieces in your brain and nervous system, like it doesn't have to come back. Right. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned fear avoidance behaviors and fear avoidance behaviors is huge on the list of predictors of whether people are going to develop chronic pain patterning. And uh, to me, it, it can almost be seen as one of those reinforcements for the pain patterning. Once you start to develop fear for certain behaviors, you start to bore down in those neural (laughs) ruts of, you know, chronic and persistent pain patterns a little bit more. And I think the teaching people the tool, like you're saying, of just flipping that script, being able to hear someone, a doctor, a physical therapist say, oh no, you shouldn't pick something up that way because you'll hurt your back. Mm -hmm. Right. Being able to hear someone say that and say, (sighs) no, thank you for your input. Right. But kindly f off. I know <laughs> yes. that I know yes. that my body can do this, and I know that I I may have pain or have had pain in the past doing that, you know, doing that movement, doing that right. activity. But I know that can change. Nothing lives in stasis, and I know that I can improve that. And that is just massive. And another thing I love is the the client story you said about celebrating that she was ninety percent pain reduction over the the entire past week. And I think that's something that can be huge for people who have had chronic and persistent pains is being able to celebrate those small victories. And even if it's a 10% decrease over a a portion of time, being able to celebrate that and say, yes, I still have 90% of, of the pain and I'm still feeling pain every day, but it's getting better and it's moving in the right direction. Such powerful Mm -hmm. tools. (laughs) Yeah. And then it gets, it it gets less and less. Like I tell my clients too, and you guys definitely know this with, with physical therapy. It's like, I want you to expect setbacks, you know, because it's when we have a a setback, we feel a sense of progress. And then we have setback that our brain goes alarm, alarm, alarm. See, see, like this isn't safe. Movement isn't safe. You know, Mm -hmm. our body isn't safe. Mm -hmm. And, and we let the brain go to all of those fears and uncertainties, which then again, reinforces that pain, reinforces that inhibition. And so I tell my clients, you need to expect and accept like setbacks are part of the journey, but they're going to get 
less with time. They're going to get less severe. Um, You're going to be able to navigate your way through them differently. And that's going to take a conscious, intentional reframe of understanding, again, that we don't go from being hurt or being in pain to being completely strong and free. Like it is, it's a journey, but be so focused on the outcome and celebrating every sense of progress that even in those setbacks, we don't let them derail us from our belief in the outcome and the belief in that our body is healing. It's just, this is part of the journey. And I even tell my clients, like also reframe, like pain is healing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that your brain's not so afraid of it because mm-hmm. pain is feedback and we can utilize that feedback or we can be afraid of it. And if we don't intentionally reframe and give the meaning we want, we know the brain and the amygdala, that emotional part of the brain is more than apt and ready to run to fear and uncertainty. And unfortunately, we've all had that presented to us in that way right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's only downhill from here. You know, a doctor told me that it's only downhill from here. I was 34 years old. I'm like, (laughs) um, wow, what a hope for my future, you know, and and never do this again and never do that. And you guys know all the studies that show, gosh, if you put any adult who's lived an active life in an MRI machine, there's going to be one to four findings on the spine. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, and back pain is the, is the most prevalent chronic pain and issue, but the language, like someone could have a a bulging disc, right. Or disc degeneration and they have no pain or no symptoms. But once they're told that diagnosis, now they're moving differently. They're afraid to move and suddenly they start having pain. Right. Oh, yeah. Which again, the brain is trying to protect you from something that now has a threat, which before didn't have a threat. And that's again why I emphasize we have to reestablish that trust and safety in the body to move again. Because if we don't, that fear will and most often does create pain. A hundred percent. Um, like you are preaching our message right now. I am <laughs> loving this so much because I'm like, okay, maybe they don't get it from us, but hopefully they'll get it from her. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, this is great. they'll be able to I hear so. it now. <laughs> I mean, this is this is truly everything. And even when I do movement challenges, I always have once a week of just trying to get um, it's information through like emails or PDF forms and stuff. And those are the things that people skip the most. They're like, Oh, I just want the movement. I just want to tell me what to, how to move in my body. But I'm like, but this is the most important to know. (laughs) And it's, it's hard to, to always reach. And so I love that you've come up with a system to teach people and provide the tools. And that's, that's the basis. That's the, that's the thing that's really going to change someone. It's not that you're going to change necessarily in nine weeks, but you're going to have the tools to change over a lifetime because over mm-hmm. a lifetime, we're going to ex- continue to experience pain. So how do we continue to approach that and and reprogram that within our body? And I, I just it, love what you've come up with and how you're helping people. And I want to know how people can work with you and start to experience this bioemotional healing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the lived experience because I have found 
where people are resistant sometimes. It's like, listen, I've lived it. I've walked it. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm telling you. I'm not the exception. What I did to heal my pain, you can too. Mm. And it's going to take effort, right? You can't just take a pill. You can't just have a therapist treat you. It's going to take effort, but it takes a whole lot of effort every single day fighting pain, fighting not being able to live free in your life. So why don't we put that effort into healing it? Mm. Mm. So people can go to my website, and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, ashleydlello.com. And I've, I've got a free training on the brain. I have a speech there that I actually gave to doctors and practitioners on the neuroscience of pain if people want to dive deeper into that. But if they're like, man, I'm sick and tired. I'm ready. Here we go. Let's do this. They can schedule a, a free consultation with me. This work is very in-depth and hands-on. So that's why I have that consultation first and foremost, just to make sure it's a good fit for both of us because it doesn't work unless someone is willing to do the work, Yeah. right? And to kind of flip that paradigm of, okay, it doesn't mean I might not need still a physical therapist and I'm going to still eat well and I'm going to you know, take some supplements, but like I have to do this work within mm-hmm. myself and I don't take on a client unless they're willing to do that because then I know I can't help them. Yeah. So people can schedule a free consultation from my website. And then if it is the right fit and I know I can help you, then we talk about moving forward through the whole nine week program. It's amazing. We will have that all linked up in the show notes. Ashley, I I know that we would love to talk with you for hours <laughs> longer and share stories yeah. and, and talk deeper into this stuff. But maybe we'll have to have you back again in the future to talk pain and pain science and getting over chronic pain. But thanks so much for your time. Um, appreciate the work that you do. And hopefully we chat again soon. I would love that. I'd love to have you guys on my podcast so we can continue the conversation even from your viewpoint. Yeah, we'd love to. Okay, look forward to it. Thank you. Yep. Such a great conversation with Ashley. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. And if you know someone who could benefit, whether they're in pain, experiencing chronic pain somewhere in their body, please pass this episode along. We're going to have all of Ashley's information linked up below, and we hope that we see you back on another episode.